we met Darren and Sean and Ryan and Andy because their car, their van was broken down. Yeah, and we ended up like talking to them and and Sean for yeah, a lot Sean of Yeah, Sean was like kind of the one who did all the socializing. He was like I, he was very interested in talking to you guys about music it's and stuff. About music, yeah. Well, especially after the performance, I imagine. So, but I, I want to paint the picture. So, for those who those who are listening and aren't familiar with, can you describe what the performance concept was for Men Who Can't Love, which is also one of the greatest names in all, like music. <laughs> 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 yeah, we just we had these two like enormous speakers, this pair of speakers. And so they had to have been like four feet tall. And we had a pair of them. And there was probably like four or five, maybe even six of us. And we would just set up everything all at once. And then we would kind of just like scrub through everybody's set. You know? <laughs> so everybody would play solo. Everybody for would play solo. Five minutes. No, 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 no. Everybody would play solo for like a minute and a half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like one person would go and then they would play and then they would unplug the like quarter inch cables and then they would hand them to the next mixer and that person would just be ready to go and then yeah. and like so on and so forth. Yeah. And so it would probably be like a six, seven minute long set yeah. <laughs> for like se- six people, you know? Hi, this is Jack Callahan, and you are listening to 400 Floor. You just heard from Jeff Witcher and Darren Ho, two veterans of the underground American noise scene of the early thousands, and two very close friends of mine. Jeff is probably best known for performing under his moniker, Renee Hell, releasing many records and playing many festivals and just touring nonstop for about 10 years. And Darren is definitely best known now for running what is probably one of the premier modular synthesizer shops in the world, Control Synthesizers on Electronic Devices. He's probably also known best around New York as the guy who wears all white, but that's another story. In this episode, we talk about their origins and how they came to meet each other and uh, eventually both living in Iowa City, collaborating, and now both living in New York and still collaborating somehow. This episode has been edited from The Full Conversation, which is available at 400floor.com. That's the number 400 and the word floor.com. This is 400 Floor. Let's go on and get into it. All right. I want to welcome my friends, Jeff Witcher and Darren Ho. Hello. What's up? Hey, how's it going? Nice to be here. Hey, what's popping? <laughs> how did you initially experience music when you were a kid? Like, how. How did you, what were your early experiences with it? And like, how did that then get you towards getting involved in music as you got older? Uh, I'll ask Darren first. Um, well, mine's like pretty straightforward. I, I grew up and my mom and my brother and I took piano lessons. That was like when I was four or something like that. That was like my exposure to music and then... Also, you know, my parents listened to, like, a lot of Beatles in, like, oldies radio. So, honestly, one of the funniest things is that I had this, like, epiphany because they would kept playing this, like, 
Beatles mixtape that my uncle made. And I thought that was literally every Beatles song that existed. <laughs> and like, and I thought it was like, that's like, it was just one album or whatever, you know? Yeah. And then when I heard like Yellow Submarine, like several years later, I was like, what the fuck is this song? I've never heard this in my entire life. How old were you when you heard Yellow Submarine later? Uh, I think I was like when I, that was probably when I was like in fifth grade or something. Fourth yeah. Or fifth grade. But um, yeah, I played piano for a few years and then I ended up playing like saxophone for two years in, in like middle school. And then I ended up dropping that and playing, picking up the violin and I played throughout high school. I was like, but it's funny because at the same time, I was also like listening to a lot of punk music and I became friends with a bunch of kids that went to shows like in seventh grade, you know, yeah. these like early matinee show things where it'd be like 10 kids or whatever, seeing some local punk band. Yeah. So where, where would those shows be? That was in like Des Moines, Iowa. I think the first show I went to that was like specifically a punk band because I was like listening to a lot of Green Day at that time. Yeah. Like my, I had cousins that would, that would stay and living with my family's house like for a few months at a time either as like to go to school for like a year or like yeah. some of them were in college and some of them were in high school like they'd be coming from like different parts of iowa or like california so they had different exposures to music also did they influence your taste at all like were they into punk as well yeah uh they listened well one of them listened to a lot of different music a lot yeah. of it was like college rock type yeah. stuff and then one of them listened to like a lot of Dr. Dre, I remember. So it was like oh, yeah. really into the yeah. chronic yeah. in like second grade. And I, you know, I repeated wow. some lines second I should have said. Wow. All right. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think because I also had like a, a friend in the neighborhood that was much older. And so he would like, yeah. his parents were liberal and then let him like play music. And then he was just like the white kid in the block. And he'd like drop the end bomb and shit like, all the time. <laughs> Classic like, Iowa, <laughs> classic like yeah, it's like that's like early nineties Iowa. 90s, you know, you, you don't know the limits of what's going yeah, on. When you're no old. limit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you're like an eight year old, but, but but yeah, if I if I remember correctly, you were first chair of violin as well. Yeah, I was a concert master for concert like the last year. I was really lazy about practicing though, so I would be like fumbling because I just didn't practice a lot. But I would be able to sight read everything pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. So then how, okay, so you had, um, you started going to like matinee, like kind of like all yeah. ages punk shows. Yeah, there was were... a, there's a venue called Harry Mary's that would have those. I think it would happen like every couple of weeks or so or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why my parents let me go. Maybe because I saw some bands I like had heard of. And were you, how old were you then? Just like middle school, like seventh, eighth grade? Yeah, well, yeah, it's like starting around eighth grade, I think. Eighth or yeah. ninth grade. Yeah. I also had like a transition too, because I had, I was going to Catholic school up until sixth grade. So right. when I went, started going to like public school, it was, you were exposed to different people. So yeah, right. Like the Catholic school was like a class of like 23 or something kids. Yeah. And then when I switched over, I was like, oh, I'm like, it's just not like white people. That are like That's the benefit people. of public. I'm a public school from uh, K through K through 12. I, I, the but like, you know, obviously going to, not just public school. I ended up going to this magnet school in high school where right. you just go, like everyone in the school district would just go to this other, um, to the downtown area. If then it was like a weird school that had three different schools in it. So there was like, uh, like a vocational school, like you could take, uh, and then there was like an AP class floor. So you only take like right. academic courses. And then there was an alternative school for like troubled kids. Right. So you I obviously had, like, went to the, tr the, the, <laughs> yeah. the alternative school. Yeah, yeah. I ended like, you know, like just 
just like sneaking out of class and like hanging out with like my friends who were in like graphic design and like oh just like other you could just like go to the others yeah punk and like or my friends yeah. I, I met friends that were taking japanese class because they were like the punk kids so you got through these other kids going through this going to this magnet school you were hanging out with kids who like played music and went to shows or whatever yeah and then so how did you start your first band uh i think it was just like a bunch of like i had a classmate that he was really he's actually really uh a, a well-established like jazz pianist from wow. des moines like he wow. just tours yeah. all the time and stuff yeah but he was really good at playing guitar also yeah so it was like him and his like older brother and like a bunch of other kids that went to a completely different high school in the opposite side of town like they formed this band and i joined it yeah um so you were playing guitar yeah i played guitar in that band yeah yeah wait what was it called uh it was called driving while stupid yes well i was okay because then i also i always remembered the band the other band from iowa the other scott band that you weren't, I thought you were in it for a sec, but I got my facts wrong. The Scott Borsionists. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like a, f- my old bandmate that um, we met in like high school. He, that band is from like, I don't know, like three hours away. Right, north, right. Like near the University of Northern Iowa. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was, that was a different man. <laughs> yeah. But you would play shows with the Scott Borsionists. Yeah, yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. A lot of those shows in high school happened at the Botanical Center, the Des Moines Pop- Botanical Center. Because they had, like, rooms you could rent out, so... Right. That was, like, a place that a lot of shows went down. Right. Was that, and... Yeah, like, all of, a lot of those shows at that time, too, was that people were just kind of, like, different genres would just play shows with each other all the time. Yeah, for sure. So well, as is the... That was the thing in the Midwest, like, yeah. so much, even, like, later or whatever, like, from my experience... Coming out to the East Coast is so funny, like talking to people. And I'm just like, you had such a more curated experience, which yeah, is I mean, better there's like a larger worse. pool of people here. So totally. like, everyone is like, you know, kind of in their cliques. But we just took what we could get. Yeah, basically. <laughs> honestly. It's like, oh, we need another band to fill because there's yeah. not a lot of bands. We'll, we'll grab the Oasis, like, Brit Pop cover band. Yeah, exactly. And they're playing with like the Noise band or whatever. Yeah. Like, and then, like, I mean, yeah, the Noise like, the rap, band. like, rock group or whatever. <laughs> But so then how, okay, so from there, what was your first exposure to, like, weirder music? You know, when I started going to college, it's, like, when you're kind of exposed more. Like No, of course. You basically, you get, kind of get sick of, the, like, the town and the scene there, so you just kind of branch out. So I mean, yeah, absolutely. I just ended up going to, like, the university, or Iowa State University. Where is that? That's in Ames, Iowa. Okay, yeah, right. So there's, like, that was only, like, 45 minutes away. Yeah, so you're still pretty close. So, you come back for... Yeah, and then, like, my band at uh, that time, Raccoon, like, I knew those guys through basically the hardcore scene and right. they would throw shows and... So, like, Sean and, like, Ryan? I guess, yeah, like, Sean and Ryan and, and uh, like, Andy Spore Andy, and this guy, yeah. Benji, they were in this hardcore band that was, like, pretty weird. Called right. Hugs. Yeah. Um, and then, like... I think when we all ended up going to school in Iowa City, we were one of the guys that that the the bassist in that band, Benji, like didn't want to be in the band. So they were talking about me replacing him, and then we ended up just doing something completely new. Right, which became Raccoon. Yeah. And then, so at that point, like when you guys first started, was it like, was it like the sound that you kind of? ended up making or was it more yeah, like yeah, closer totally. like it was like it was like, weird like, yeah i think like, like immediately when we started jamming it was like 
Oh, that stuff became like material. Like, like this isn't going to be like that. A all became recorded at some point, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah it wasn't absolutely. like I don't think we really have any like music that we like to write. Yeah, yeah. That, that actually suddenly happened. Suddenly happened. It was cool, actually. Okay, uh, so at this point, I think that's a good place to transition to asking you, Jeff, the same question, like what was your experience with music growing up, like with your family or whatever, or with uh, friends or whatever, and like how did you, what was the progression for you getting into music? Yeah, so my mine is pretty similar to Darren's, like my parents listened to a lot of music when I was super young. Um, what kind of stuff would they listen to? Or my dad to? would just listen to the Les Miserables soundtrack <laughs> and Leonard Cohen, and he would listen to it at like incredibly high volumes, and he would just be like belting out all the lyrics to the Les Mes soundtrack oh, so he's in the like house. A crooner, they're like the, sort of like the Leonard Cohen, like kind of, but he <laughs> he can't sing, and he would just be he would almost just be yelling it, you know, he would just be screaming these lyrics i think he was mostly obsessed with just the narrative element of the songs yeah, you know right. and like Jesus. at least my v. dad can sing well, no, he, <laughs> <laughs> well he would sing like vietnamese songs like oh, these wow. vietnamese pop songs oh, from like cool. the 70s and 80s but he'd actually be able to hold the tune down no i just think my dad was like <laughs> fixated on the injustices from that story you know oh of les mis yeah, 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 les yeah mis. Course, so he'd yeah. get really excited about it um and then at some point when i was pretty young I think I also tried piano lessons, but I couldn't do it. And then I started taking guitar lessons. I remember I had this um, guitar teacher named Phil, and I would just go over to his house, and it was probably like a 45-minute long lesson. And then we'd like work on the guitar for 30 minutes, and then or maybe 35 minutes. And the last 10 minutes, he would dedicate. I could like bring him a song on my little tape recorder. Oh, and then he would teach cool. me how to yeah, like yeah, yeah, play absolutely. the song, you know. So it was it was the tape recorder that had the speaker, and I remember I would just sit there while he would like play, rewind, like play, rewind. He'd figure out the song, he'd like write it out for me, and then I could go home and have like a new song to play. That's cool. Um, Whoa, that's that's cool. I like the the tape, the tape recording thing. People, yeah, people, just, imaginative minds can can piece together some sort of later in life influence on, from that. Uh, yeah, thing. it was pretty cool. Um, I do remember I did do one like singing lesson with my brother and sister. My grandpa took us to this woman's house and he was like, you know, he's like, all right, I want you guys to like take this singing lesson, which made no sense at all. Oh, weird. Like and no interest, like no, 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 no expressed no. interest. No, no, no. I mean, I think he knew that we were, we were into music. So he was just like, all right, we have to try this. And this was just like a, just like, it seemed like just an ordinary woman. We went to her house and I wish I could find that because we did have a recording of it. It was recorded to tape. And I just remember the only lyrics were like, it was like, never give up, never give up on your tomorrow. And we just had to like sing it over and over again. Do you wonder if, you, <laughs> if your parents still have that, if they threw it that It would be incredible out. to hear it, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, but from there, yeah, then it was just natural. I, when I was super young, I had like my neighbor 
Chris, um, and I was, you know, he was allowed to walk me to the, to the warehouse to look at like CDs. And we would always, we'd, I remember we'd always go to Arby's too and we'd get um, like an, a strawberry strudel and a roast beef sandwich. And I remember like the first time we went there, I didn't even know what to order because I'd never like been to Arby's. Yeah. And so I remember he ordered and I was just like, oh, I'll just take the same thing that he got, you know. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, just pretty normal stuff like that. And then I had a lot of friends who were also into music and I played music with them. Yeah, what kind of stuff were they? It was just kind of like really shitty, not even rock music, maybe kind of like Green Day imitation or something like that or... Yeah. You know, and it would be like playing in like my friend's room or something like that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, These are like you like just just local bands or whatever. Oh yeah, playing. yeah, yeah. And just I mean, and I I barely knew how to play. The, I was taking the guitar lessons, you know, and like we barely knew how to play. Um, I think I do remember I was in like a fake Green Day band in like my school at some point. Oh yeah, and like I had a talent like, show. Yeah, kind of yeah, and thing. I had yeah, like yeah. trash cans, and we yeah. just like. Because like, like, I don't think that we were allowed to actually like bring the real instruments for some reason. So we had like fake, we had like, f they, we had to use like fake instruments. You were able to wait like a fake guitar too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, I, I think for some reason they didn't want like the kids playing. It's like too subversive. It, or yeah, or it's just yeah. too annoying or something. So it's just like they play the backing track, you know, you have like wait, the like cardboard like guitar. Like oh, it's like that. <laughs> it's wait. kind of sick actually. Wait. It's all mine. Wait, that's crazy. Like a car fake, yeah, you're yeah, like yeah, miming yeah, along yeah. to like a recording. Yeah, it. totally. Cool. Uh, wait, how would you record it then? No, no, no. It was just they play like the green day song oh 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 oh, oh. i think I see, they like they a just, cover oh, oh, oh yeah they I were see. just Wait. they didn't want the kids like all these kids having their band you know like yeah, play yeah or yeah, something yeah. Like how that. old was this is like middle school yeah i was super young and like um but yeah just from there you know same thing is similar to darren playing with my friends and you go to show it like a bowling alley you know and this is like you you grew up in long beach in long is, beach this yeah this is like Long Beach, greater LA. Yeah, area. Long Beach. And then I had a lot of friends who lived in this um, town called Downey who were really into music. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, just pretty normal progression. Yeah. And then kind of... So, yeah, so then how, like, what was the sort of, like, what was your first exposure to being like, oh, this is like, music is not just like a, you know, four chords yeah. guitar thing? I think it's probably similar to, like, what you guys would experience. And you just get... You're just really curious, you know, and you're kind of like. We um, say this now and it's like a common experience with like us or like pretty much anyone else I've interviewed who we probably know like that. It's like, yeah, we, we would think like, oh, like, you know, you listen to or you get exposed to enough music. You want to see what else there is. But it's, exactly. I feel like that's not like that's actually not that common of a trait, yeah. you know, like no, no, it is, does take a certain type yeah. of person <laughs> to be like. This is, I want like the create the mo most more. extreme thing or no, more. No, that is true you know? because a lot of my friends from that period weren't, weren't really interested in exploring things further. Um, but yeah, I was, I mean, back then you just kind of had to do it in like an analog way. You know, you yeah. would like see a band and then you would like go to the merch table and there was, there might be like some kind of mail, mail order catalog that was just text, you know, and then you would, you would literally have to just like guess on like, a seven or I don't know whatever it was or like a CD or something yeah. but then you actually listen to the, like listen to it in its entirety because you're like so excited about it you know and I feel like you're like 
I mean, but then, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So, but yeah, it was just, and then too in LA at that time, I feel like there was just so much, so many things happening that were more experimental. I mean, what, yeah. Can you remember the, the shit that you would see or like yeah, anything I mean, it notable would just, that you remember? Like You almost would just like, you'd like hear about some band and then you would see they're playing at like some weird venue or weird space. And then you're like, okay, now I know like. That now I know there's the stuff here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. then you're just like, okay, what is, what is happening there? And I feel like, like you were saying earlier, you just go to so many things. You just would go to everything. And you just go to everything. Especially get a car. That's the one thing that could unite all of our experiences. You, have, you would have to have a car to go to any of these yeah. places. You know? And you're like pretty much cool with whatever you see, honestly, at that point. I, dude, you know? I've remember, I yeah, as long as it's like different. As long as it's different. As long as it's different. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, it was it was amazing because like at that time the smell just had this super. I think that they had like a really crude website. Yeah. At right. this point, and it was just I remembered it was just this very specific font, and it was just like a text page that you would like scroll down. Totally. You know, and that's like, how you would find out about the show. Yeah, and you would just scroll down this page, and like obviously, you know, all of the band names are like insane. You're like, I gotta see. Yeah, and there's probably no link to any there's of nothing. stuff. It's yeah. just text. And it's yeah. like five bands, yeah. you know, and then it's like, and it's like five dollars, you know. It's wow. so just like, all right, I'm going value, here man. all night. So I guess I'm gonna go. Yeah. I love those websites though when they just list the show and it's like that's all it. Get. There's no link. There's no high yeah. so good. And, like yeah, yeah. you might be lucky if you get like an Angel Fire or Geo City. Well, so back back then too, like even though it was in LA, you know, some of these shows that we would go to, you know, there'd be like four people there still. Yeah. You know, it'd be like at somebody's house in Riverside. Yeah. And there's like five people there. And like there's a band playing inside of a tent, you know? So it's like (laughs) you just see them there and you're like, hey, what's up? Yeah, for sure. And you just keep seeing them there. And and I think, too, a lot of these these shows that I was going to or that we would go to, they they were not well attended. They were still like very like kind of marginal or or like, you know, not popular. You know, some, some definitely were. But we would go to some shows with like, you know, like Gang Wizard would play, you know, and there's just like a handful of people at the show, you know. So I think that kind of like connects you to 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 your like future friends even more. Yeah, cause, yeah, exactly. Because then you just keep seeing the same four people exactly. at every show. <laughs> exactly. And it's not like when you're older, when you're like, oh man, I don't want to talk to these anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're <laughs> like, like, oh my God, like I need, like you also, you look like around you've kind of like dressed the same as me or whatever. Exactly. Like, please, I don't know anyone who dresses yeah, like this. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. I went, so what you were make you were like going to shows, you were making music. When was it, when did you, when did you like first start like playing shows or like when did people start booking you or like did well, you we, set up shows yourself? At some point, yeah, we would try, we, tr- we set up a few shows on our own. Yeah. I remember we set up like one show in our friend Jorge's backyard. Sick. Yeah. Cla- the classic first yeah. first show ever booked. But that and that was like way before we like, you know, played that kind of music at like an actual show. Like it was like in the backyard. I think honestly, I think we even played inside the house. And it was like so insane. It was totally insane. And we also I was thinking about this recently, like kids these days forget. I say this now as a 32 year old, but uh, like I forget, like it was not not until somewhat recently was it completely expected that there would be a PA where you play. Right. Right. You know, like even for like because like also like fully electronic music was not completely the standard. If you're like, oh, it's like a bit show. It's like there's going to be like guitars and stuff. Right. Right. But like 
even at a, up to a time when there was like we're you know you were going to see like more like just like electronic music or noise music or whatever it was like not a given no, that there would be no. a pa you would be you would be kind of having to like ask for a pa people yeah. would expect you would show up with like amps yeah I, I mean i remember but yeah like when we whenever we were trying to make more experimental music i remember i would just and this is so stupid thinking about it now but i would just email like cafes and stuff oh man yeah, yeah and yeah. just be like hey like can we play a show there? of course oh my god yeah <laughs> and like, of course you'd else? never hear back and if no, you never, actually never. ever got to play there it would be insane because they would just be like wait we're a coffee shop like why yeah, and you're are like you? well like, okay so i have like my like pv exactly like, yeah <laughs> and you're like i have my homemade guitar you know and it's like um so, cool. so i remember we would just do shows like that and eventually eventually we met brian miller oh yeah who ran the label death bomb art right had he started death bomb at that point yeah he had but i i mean i mean i don't know if this is accurate but i feel like he was still very like obscure at that point like he was you know his releases would look insane um and at some point we met him and i think he asked us to play a show yeah right and he was booking like quote-unquote real shows yeah he was he he was booking at the smell he would have this series called Neon Hates You. And I think maybe we played one of his series. Was that Rainbow Blanket or was that? I think it was Rainbow Blanket. And I honestly don't know how, I don't remember how he would have like even asked us to play. Like how he heard you guys. Like, yeah. There, this was, had you put out any like tapes or anything at that point? I, I mean, I don't really remember, but I don't think so. I just, I mean, I know he was like incredibly generous at that time. Yeah, totally. And like super open-minded. So we might, he might have honestly just been seeing us. We would go to like his band shows and there would be like four people there. Oh, it's, I mean, that's the classic thing where it's like, are you guys in a band? Do you want to play? Like, where yeah. it's like he hadn't even I think seen so. you guys. I think you just so. showed up enough. It's like, well, you're think obviously we would, into good stuff. Might I think play we would show. show up enough. I, I think, and I again, I might not be remembering this correctly, but I think we would just show up enough, and eventually he was like, hey, like, you should play One of the Neon Hates You. That's cool. And of course, we were like, oh my God, this is we insane. We finally made it. Yeah, 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 we were like, this is so insane. And then from there, we were just like, became friends with him and his all of his friends and then it was pretty easy because you know they had the venue and everyone was pretty connected and tight um we would just go to shows all the time yeah that was like the beginning of that of that period i think When did you start releasing music? Like, when did you decide to, like, start a label? I think the more that we would hang out with Brian, then we understood that you could just do it. You, know, you just you could do just, it. And you yeah. have it, you're introduced to, like, a network of people. And you're like, oh, there's, like, like people buy this stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, here, there's, like, there's built-in, like, quote-unquote, like, distribution. or like I think even, like too, it. just, like, the manufacturing aspect. We're like, oh, wait, you can actually just, like, burn this shit. And like, yeah, totally. you know, like spray paint and like put a photocopy yeah, yeah. on it and like, totally. that's it, you know? Yeah, that's, that is also like such a funny thing, like getting, getting into like the quote unquote, like 
just like the DIY scene or whatever and like getting into like scene noise scene or whatever of, of like being like, oh yeah, you can just do this as like, like obvious as that sounds. Yeah. Like everything yeah. we're saying, it's like, oh, you can just do this yourself. Like there's no like, oh, you don't have to like get it sent off. You don't have to have like a graphic designer. You know right, what I mean? Right. It's just like, oh, you manufacture it. This is what looks cool. And it's, this is how you do it. And then yeah. there you go. And you, you make however many copies. And I think too, when we were younger, we understood that with like just making tapes or CDs or something. But like the way that he was doing it and like they were doing it, you were just like, oh, wait, no, but you can actually just do anything and it's okay. From right. like an artistic point of view. Right, you know? right, because of the way his stuff looked and like what he totally. was putting out. Yeah, know? it could be anything. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and it was, was kind of, I mean, it was obviously like pretty infectious hanging out with those people because they were, they were very prolific, yeah. you know, in their own right. Like they would have, you know, all these different projects. They would be releasing stuff. All, I mean, at that time, you know, it's just like there was all these releases. It was hard to kind of even like, keep track or understand what was what you know well it's such a different era too i mean obviously like you know very well like it's maybe it's the same now but we're just not in that scene or something but just like the amount of stuff that people will put out and like everything's like a different moniker of course it's yeah. like every single every other project it's like same person it's like you're putting out like 70 releases a year of course, on your yeah. label and it's like additions of like 40. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. If, if that, if that, if that, if that. So then this is a, this is an interesting transitionary thing too. So you guys are both independently doing music, unaware of each other at this point. This is yeah. like early, mid early thousands. And then at some point, if I remember this story, there's, I'm sure there's, we can fill in the gaps between where we're at now and at this point. But at some point, you guys were both on tour with your bands yeah. and you yeah. play, you shared a bill in Baltimore at Tarantula Hill, Twig Harper's space. No, I, we didn't actually, I didn't play. Dare, Ra you Raccoon didn't, you didn't guys actually play. So what was the, why were you guys there? Yeah, so like our car broke down like three days before that show. And we were supposed to go up to like New York to play some shows. Um, I mean, we played a show in Baltimore at some bar with like Telebam, actually. Oh, wow. That was like the first time that I met Matt Motel. And yeah. Telebam and some other, these other guys in different bands. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we went back to Tarantula Hill and because there was a show there and we were so still waiting funny. for our car to get fixed. And that's when Jeff, Jeff's like noise super group, uh, Wait, like, is that Men Who Can't Love? Yeah, the Men Who Can't Love. That was guys. the Men Who Can't Love yeah. tour, yeah. Who can't where love. there's yeah. the video of the Providence show online. That's somebody. I don't know if I've ever seen. It's that. amazing. It's like in, it's actually like insane. That's like funny. documents of like like people like will look back like in like a thousand years yeah. and be like. This is what like human civilization. Yeah, is they're like, like, it's like huh, incredible. This is considered music. Yeah, like, exactly. So we can extrapolate from this evidence that humans were fucking ridiculous. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we met we met Darren and Sean and Ryan and Andy because their car their van was broken down. Yeah. And we ended up like talking to them and and Sean for yeah, a while. Yeah, Sean of was night. like kind of the one who did all the socializing. He's like I, he was very interested in talking to you guys about music. Just about music. Yeah. Well, especially after the performance, I imagine. So, but I, I want to paint the picture. So, for those who those who are listening and aren't familiar with, can you describe what the performance concept was for Men Who Can't Love, which is also one of the greatest names in all, like music. <laughs> 
Yeah, we yeah. just we had these two like enormous speakers, this pair of speakers. And so they had to have been like four feet tall. And we had a pair of them. And there was probably like four or five, maybe even six of us. And we would just set up everything all at once. And then we would kind of just like scrub through everybody's set. You <laughs> so know? everybody would play solo. Everybody for would play solo. Five minutes. No, 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 no. Everybody would play solo for like a minute and a half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like one person would go and then they would play and then they would unplug the like quarter inch cables and then they would hand them to the next mixer and that person would just be ready to go and then yeah. and like so on and so forth. Yeah. And so it would probably be like, a six seven minute long set yeah. <laughs> for like six people you know it's really amazing yeah and it was like really loud obviously and some yeah. who was playing like the like modified guitar was my that brother Greg? was playing the modified yeah, yeah, guitar. yeah that was yeah, cool yeah, yeah. That. that's it's really cool so then at that point wait so this was like 2006 uh it's probably before that uh no yeah that was like my first like tour that was i went to iowa city in 2004 so it was been 2005 2005 yeah so at that point was that your first big tour with raccoon yeah that was like the first time i was able to travel the u.s that wasn't like seeing family yeah so that was cool so i mean i'm 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 telling like i'm telling the story like it's like a story that everybody <laughs> knows but like so at some point Jeff, you decided to pack up from L.A. and move yeah. to I mean, Iowa City to meet up with Darren and those guys. Yeah, I mean, I kind of felt like when I saw you guys the the second time in New York, I was like, oh, I'm going to like be friends with these people. I don't know. I just kind of yeah. like, understood that. Totally. And then at some point, I don't even know how I would have even been in touch with like Sean Probably just through email. Through email, and I think I was like, because he was oh. very active with just emailing people, and right? All that stuff. Yeah, but at some point, I just I bought like a a Greyhound ticket from LA, and I think I had like a backpack. What was the impetus? Like you were just like, I just want to try something different. Yeah, I was just like, I'll try it. Yeah, it sounds interesting, and they seemed interesting, and I could tell at least from Sean that they were pretty active, you know? And that there was, like, a good scene and there. there was, like, a scene in yeah. Iowa, which seemed it wouldn't just so be like bizarre this, to me. Yeah, this, like, uh, I mean, I can't imagine it wasn't boring at certain times, but it's Iowa. But, yeah, you know. I just, but, but I just was, like, there oh, was I stuff, have to, like, there was stuff going on, like, you could have the opportunity to play or whatever. There yeah, I was stuff. just, like, I have to, like, check this out. Like, this sounds interesting. And then I just, yeah, I took the Greyhound. And I did you got stay with Sean's. Sean first or did you stay with Darren? Yeah, no, I, I moved into Sean, had an extra room, but I, of course, you know, I couldn't really pay very much rent. So then he needed to like <laughs> rent like, the I room. He to actually rent it out. <laughs> so then I moved into the basement and then I, I, I must have lived in his basement in this tiny little room in his basement for quite a while, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, because that basement was like big, but it was just like our practice space. Yeah. So there was like under the stairs or something. There it was, was under the stairs. There was like this tiny little like room that would always get. I mean, flooded if you have a backpack, it it's like not nah, a big deal. Yeah, yeah. No, it was fine. But um, it did get wet. It would always get wet. Which was yeah. disgusting. Oh, <laughs> um, now that I think about it, but I thought it was like fine back then. Yeah, no, it was totally fine back then. <sighs> but I also, I also, I think that I knew before going to Iowa, I was aware of like, no, I definitely was aware of like these night, like night people and like the releases and the different projects and the music. Okay, so um, at that point, Night People was, yeah, I'm like sketchy on like the, when that started. Because like that early. must have been, that was part of like the reason I wanted to go 
check it out. He made it, <laughs> Sean made it seem like a really vibrant scene. There. <laughs> exactly. But it, but it totally was for like a period of time whenever I moved there. Like it was probably more exciting than what was happening in LA at the time. Well, honestly. I can imagine also it's like, it's a really, it's like a small city. Yeah. So it's like everybody's kind of in versus like LA where it's like so many po- little pockets of stuff. It's not like a, it's not like you see people all the time or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so I guess like before I moved to Iowa City, I knew there was like lots of shows there. Um, I guess it's, what's the venue called? The Picador? Picador. That, but then they like renamed Gabe's. themselves the Gabe's. That's where a lot of the shows would happen. A lot of the shows were there. And like those were like the, the indie shows would go there. It would happen there, you know? Like, and then I befriended one of the booking agents there because he was a student uh, in at Iowa, at yeah. the University of Iowa. And I knew him back from like, because he lived in a suburb of Des Moines also. Well, when did you guys first start making music together? There's so many different threads we yeah, could yeah. go on with this. And it, it would... Well, I, we, I, wish we could ha- I wish we could have a six-hour, uh, you know, episodic well, we, take we, of this. We started making music fairly quickly, I think, when I yeah. moved there. Right? Yeah, totally. What did you move out there with, Jeff? Like any equipment or whatever? <laughs> any equipment? Honestly, I don't <laughs> even remember. Like, you probably didn't bring anything, honestly. I probably didn't bring anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's one of those things, though, where we kind of just formed. It's kind of like now. Like, it's kind of like now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I actually don't own any gear right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. No, but it was like one of those things where it was like we knew a band that was playing that was like a friend of yours or that we knew. So we mm. kind of like had to form something to like fill there's in the so gaps. Much oh, like there's too. But that's around. a classic where it's like, oh, hey, like the band dropped off. Like we need some like music or whatever. And you're like, all right. <laughs> like, you know, and then like a friend a would be tonight, like, you're like okay. I, know, I would, th- I was thinking like, you know, one of our friends would eventually be like, oh, I have like, I kind of want to try something out. You right. Know? Yeah, of course. Well, like, that's such yeah. a, I mean, that's an amazing <laughs> thing. And you wish like, it just doesn't, Obviously, everyone is older now, but like thinking about like our immediate scene or whatever in New York, and it's just like, again, maybe it's that way for some people, but it's just like that thing where things are, you, you know, everybody doing this stuff, and it, there's just so many shows happening where it's just like, oh, this is like a testing ground for like your new thing, and it's right. like, oh, you just play the show, and also yeah. the stakes, the stakes are so much lower. You know, yeah, you're just like, having fun. Then it is like, at yeah. least in New York. And I mean, this is just me going off about New York, but it's just like, it's just such a different world where it's like now it's like shows happen. And more often than not, it's like, I feel like people like, just the stakes are higher. And it's like, oh, it's like a big show. And like, right, the, you know, right. you're like, well, you know, that's not going line. on Instagram the next day. Yeah, that, exa- no, that, like, exactly. Within There's, that minute. Dude, and there's so there like, like zero fine. archiving back then. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. For better and for worse. But there's, there's something about the, in, the, the complete documentation of everything and then like the subsequent like judgment of it in terms of like the numbers it does on Instagram or whatever, sure. or, like yeah, anything. Yeah. It's just like, oh my God, it's just this like ranking game. But like when you're just like, there's so many things happening and it's just like this fertile period where you're like, oh, like I'll just, we'll play this. So we need an extra band on the bill. And you're like, oh, like let's just jam. Right, or whatever, right. You know, yeah. so, then, so then you guys just started playing and you found some... Some, yeah, some instruments just, to use. I mean, there was probably like all this gear laying around Sean's basement, or Darren had a yeah. lot of equipment. Yeah, yeah. So we would just totally. put something together. But then we were also always like forming other bands with anybody who was around. Like, I have a band with Brendan, and then we'd have a band with like Ryan, Evan, and then Ryan. Evan, you know, yeah. All, you know, Will and, Cap. Yeah. So it was just, like, it was, I don't know, it was like pretty exciting at that time, you know. And you had like, been in, you had been in a number of bands before, um, most notably a band that, uh, whose name uh, if you 
if, if you know the name, you probably know the band I'm talking about, but we can just leave it at that. But uh, <laughs> uh, so you had you 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 had plenty of experience playing exactly in, uh, bands yeah. with people. Yeah. Okay, so we're at the point of Darren and Jeff collaborating. So you guys were just that was the natural th- way things went. So you, yeah. there would be a show and. You would just play with somebody or whatever, and then at a certain sh- point, there was just shows all the time. There was shows all the time. Yeah, they would either be in Sean's basement or Chowser's basement, which was oh, literally yeah. next to Chowser was there too. Yeah, that's, that's so many damn. Or people. they would be at yeah. some other person's basement if it wasn't like in any of the other venues. I mean, it was like it was. It happened, shows happened a lot. Yeah, it was just natural to like start playing music with with, with somebody any, with, with everyone who was there. At a certain exactly. point, I feel like you guys probably played with like every single person in town. No, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So then at that at that point, you guys were making music, et cetera, et cetera. You came to I saw you guys playing St. Louis, but then at some point, you must have left Iowa City while yeah. I was still living there. Is that yeah? Correct? Yeah, that's that's okay. true. Oh, that's interesting. So you were still there, yeah. but Darren moved to New York. He yes. moved to New York. Yes. Oh, very interesting. I didn't. I didn't realize that. I thought you had gone back to L.A. At no, that I think. I think I was still living. You were there, there for at least another year. Another year, and then you moved yeah. to New York. Yeah. I don't know where I moved after that. I don't remember, but I think you're probably just bouncing around or something. Right. Yeah. But so, Darren, you moved to. You wanted to get the fuck out of Iowa for a while. Yeah, I think at that point I had done already like three tours of the U.S. with Raccoon. Yeah. And then we already did like. Two tours of Europe, so you know, two like tours you, of Europe. Oh, wow. Yeah, you get like I got a little better you, idea. You got a little that. worldly at I that mean, point. Tour of Europe, quote unquote, is mostly just like England and like yeah, of course, Spain and Portugal or some shit. But uh, anyways, I I kind of knew like I didn't want to be in Iowa City anymore because things were getting you know f- like finally slowing down a bit. It was getting a little stale. Yeah, it was getting a little stale. You know, you had these young kids that are taking over that I wasn't like. I like what they were doing, but I just like wasn't gelling with, like musically, you know. Yeah, I for sure. I was like, oh yeah, these are cool kids and they can do their own thing. But I think like my time here is like a little bit over. Yeah, for sure. Know? So you decided to move to New York, did you? Yeah, yeah. Who did I you... finally like made amends with New York, and I was I think my third visit, I was like, all right, I can like imagine myself. It's like, dirty, but I can accept it. Well, I see. I feel like after I moved out. And then when everyone else started to move out, like any, I mean, Andy Spore from Raccoon moved out a year before that to yeah. move to LA because his right. girlfriend was going to school there or like was doing like art, her art thing there. Yeah. And he was just living there. So essentially, like we did one more tour, like while he was still living there. And then after that, we kind of just quit like unofficially. Yeah. And so that happened. And then like when I left, it was like definitely. Sean was already doing wet hair and yeah, I, right, I was, right. I, did, I played like one show with him. And then after that, like it was just mostly him and Ryan and then that dude, Justin joined later. Oh yeah. He played like bass or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but I feel like, and then everyone moved out basically like everyone got old and kind of sick of each other and like moved away. You know? Yeah. yeah I right. Mean, just kind of looking for like somewhere else or something else. Yeah. New experiences and things like that. Yeah. It was King becoming like a bit old hat. But then we couldn't, we reconnected again at some point to do that. We did like a couple of, didn't we do a, a West coast tour? 
Yes. And then we did um, an East you guys Coast tour. Is it as yeah. Mandelbrot and Sky or as, or as or no, individual? No, no, no. The West Coast was solo because I remember your thing was you're like. Oh, yeah, I brought my laptop. You brought your laptop and you're like, I'm going to play with my hand in my pocket the entire time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like, and then so the first show I was like watching for it and then you did it. And I was like, man, he's so insane. Were you sitting down or were you standing? No, he's standing. Yeah. That's sick. Well, because I remember when you played in 2011 at Hampshire, you did the classic Russell Haswell lie down on the table <laughs> yeah, with your totally. laptop. That's so funny. Pretty, like, definitely an innovator. In yeah. An innovator in America. Of, uh, <laughs> Who did you know moving here? Did you primarily know? I knew people, but I wasn't close to them because, like, Sean was mostly the person who talked to a lot of the music. Like, you know, they they he had a stronger bond with them because they actually traded music and things like that. Um, But I remember, like, the band USA is a Monster came through Iowa City, and they had mentioned that they might have an opening like three months down the line. And wow, so so you. Uh wow, that's that's amazing. So then you you took him up on that offer. Yeah, I hit him up and they were like, Yeah, it's still open if you want to take it up. Let's wow. That's some like true old yeah. school like word of mouth. Like that's that's Yeah, it was like just through email straight up. Yeah. And it was like that was like a very difficult uh move because I had had to drive from Iowa City to did you New York City? So did did you just drive <laughs> yeah. your car? Did you? Have well, to you know, you had to print out all the Google. Uh, yeah, Google hey, Maps I mean, dude, I, I remember. I I mean, I went, like, yeah, Google Maps was around. It wasn't just the. Do you remember? Map quest. But you remember every <laughs> every day to the tour, you had to be like, "Do you have a printer?" And like, well, I think my last to, like, tour, Quest, the last whatever. Raccoon tour, I had a laptop and we had like a inverter for the car and. My dad had given me like this GPS that was for the laptop. Whoa! So I was like, we were using some like weird like hybrid like yeah, and that shit was like kind of outdated, like the maps too. So yeah, they're like turn right here, and you couldn't see very well because the the laptop was really pixelated. It wasn't meant for like outdoor use. So just like I think this is the turn. But you know, oh, yeah, it's you like can't like you can only tell. zoom in so far because it's just like a GPS. Yeah, like. it's like early, it's early like maps, ma- like computer mapping. Yeah, so you're sure. like you're you're just seeing from a bird's eye view, and you're like, all right, I think I'm trying to read this text with what the street says, and it's yeah. like, oh god, wow, damn, that's cool. <laughs> it wasn't optimized for viewing. Yeah, but so this is, but you had the the just you know the. 50 instructions of like driving the interstates across the yeah, country to New York. Totally. Did you do it in one day? Yeah. Uh, That's like of. a good. I mean, I, I think I remember like staying in, in some parking lot of a garage yeah. or a, of a gas station and then like slept for like an hour. And I remember waking up with like this insane like nightmare dream. And then, and then I was like, well, I think I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm going to keep going. Oh my God. Yeah. It yeah. was, I think the, the, uh, the drive was supposed to be like 19 hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It was just me. 
with all Oof, my shit in my car. Yeah. yeah. So then you move in. But uh, I moved in with, with Tom Homan and Barbara from... Well, Tom was in the USA as a monster. Yep. And she was in... Barbara was in... That's Tom's partner. Yeah. They were in... Uh, what were they called? Some funny like animal name. I'm trying to remember, but... Yeah, they lived in the huge loft. It was awesome. In Bed-Stuy. Yeah, in Bed-Stuy. So I lived there. I tried to contact some people I knew, like, that I kind of knew from tour, but it was like, you know, everyone's, like, busy and they're doing their own thing. And I didn't really have super strong ties with everyone. I just, like, just knew seeing them, like, for the past three years, like, once every three, like, every year, you yeah, know? Yeah, of course, of course. So, But at a certain point, you just, for those of you who are listening, uh, don't know, uh, Darren has a reputation for going to multiple events a night every night <laughs> of the week uh, for as long as I've known Darren, and the, it yeah. continues to an extent today. But so I imagine you uh, uh, did the did I guess you probably didn't have as many opportunities in Iowa City, so you probably probably uh, started doing that more in New York. But I imagine you would just start to just go to. Just pick up a show paper and uh, see what shows. Well, yeah, the show paper was there. I mean, the problem though was that I didn't have a job, so I was like super broke. So, I'd, like you know, I'd be like, okay, I gotta go to like. I was, I guess, I have to just go to this show and then like not drink or whatever. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like, classic. Yeah, yeah. Classic just like stuff. be that guy who's just standing like sober at the gig, and yeah. it's like I would love to buy the CD, but I'm just like, no, of course, no, it was the same when I had <laughs> moved to New York. It was very similar. But then I ended up working for like Todd P, so I would ended up doing sound at oh, a lot yeah. of gigs later. Right. So, so you, like, you kill two birds with one stone. You actually get exactly. paid to go to a show. And also, I think that that was the time when Obama just came into office. That was like literally he got inaugurated like maybe like the month after I moved here. So the industry, like the music industry was weird because like, you know, the economy was like had crashed from housing. And I think it was like on a come up because there was like free, like stupid money being thrown out for shows all the time. Right, right. Which was really bizarre. Well, yeah, it is. I do like Advil threw a, a fucking campaign and they had like bands like in... They made like the zines they would include in Vice magazine. It would be like Black Dice or some shit. Well, I remember like <laughs> how easy it was to get an energy drink sponsorship for like a warehouse right. show. Yeah, like you could literally get like right Red Bull and get like case it like like f- like coolers full of Red Bull for like literally like a show at like America or something sure, like that. Totally, or, totally. So, but um, when did you? There's so much to go over here, and we'll we'll. Uh, Cut, or definitely know, we'll, glossing over we'll a lot gloss of stuff, over which a lot. is totally fine. Well, okay, but like, so <laughs> how did you meet Jonas, with whom you started the synthesizer shop Control that so many people know you for at this point? He was at Mike's show, actually. Cause I, so at some yeah. point, I think... At, I, Mike, who is Mike yeah. Pollard of Nina. Yeah, so Tom and Barbara at the house I was living at, they moved out, and then eventually uh, this woman, Sarah, from Minneapolis moved in. She was in this... Uh, crust band called Question and then like she brought in all these like more punk related people that I met some of them are f- still friends like Soren oh yeah Soren Roy Soren, like he dated her briefly and then right. Emil Emil Bognar, like cause I was living in the practice space that was like uh, which was really funny because there was like basically a practice space so this is like in a warehouse right and like the practice space there was a door between the practice space and this other unit that they didn't rent, but they just blocked it off. And it was actually the guys from Metro area. Like one of the guys had a oh, space next that's door. That's really funny. And they like wow. stole all the sheetrock. They told me like they stole all the sheetrock and then they blocked the door off with the sheetrock. 
That's one way to do it. It was super funny. Yeah. But I was living in the practice phase and I met, that's how I met Emil. And then eventually I wanted to just move out just because it was like the energy was like Wait, different. where was the practice space? It was in the same spot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I moved out of the practice space into one of the rooms because like a roommate left. But then I just was talking to Mike and I knew that he was living with like four other guys and they had this weird like second, ha- like a living room. It was like a half living room. So I just like asked if I can give each of them like, I think I gave them like each like 25 bucks and then I like each month, you know, and that was, I just like lived in this like weird space big enough for a bed. So how did you meet Mike for the first time actually? You were... Oh, I met Mike when he was 15. Yes. In, so the first time Chicago. Raccoon played in Chicago, he had put out his compilation that we were on. Right. And then when we finally met him, we we're like, oh. On his label, Mike. Harbor. It's a 15 yeah. year old. Yeah. Well, that was honestly, that's what Mike said that he was like, I kept having the experience over and over again of meeting the people and them being in shock that that he was 15 years old and that they completely changed their tone after that, because I think they were being like really harsh on him. And he like didn't as a 15 year old, didn't kind of like know the social etiquette around stuff. And then they would find out that he was 15 and be like, oh, sorry. Right, right. Sorry. Well, you know, it's, it's this, I mean, it's really just a social etiquette of like, you're an adult and you're dealing with like someone who's like a child. Well, yeah, you know? ex- I mean, and that's you're just like, very true. Well, it, to me, I was like, oh, this is, I, I, I just remember like, I think our band was like very enthusiastic. So I was like, oh, this person's like super young and really into this. Yeah, for sure. But you know, and I can see how everyone else being like, we had like, this is a lot, this person's a liability. Well, yeah, I mean, not everybody <laughs> is as altruistic maybe, but at the yeah. same time also, uh, Mike is six years young. I mean, Mike and I are the same age. We're yeah. six. You're six years older. You're born in eighty. You're eighty four. Yeah, yeah. So, but at that point, six years is like that's a lot. When at that between age, 15, fifteen and twenty one, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. a big, a big gap. gap. That's yeah. a yeah. huge in the gap. U.S. for sure. Yeah, I don't remember the first time that I met Mike. Yeah, I don't. Did remember. he hit you up or did you like, was it online first? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, IRL. I don't remember the first yeah. time I met him. IRL. Probably, could, no, probably yeah. when he came to Iowa City because he came like at least once, maybe yeah. twice. He might yeah, I, right. I feel yeah. like one of you guys told me about him coming out or maybe he honestly, he might have because we did this episode with him. John and uh, Mike that he went out to Iowa City for a he show definitely when he was out. in high school. Yeah. He took the bus out there or something. Wow. Yeah, I think so. And like you made him like the party Greyhound with or you or like that he was super enthusiastic yeah, about Yeah, I think he did. I, I'm vaguely remembering this stuff now. That he was having a lot of fun. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. totally. So then, uh, but you, Darren, then um, you kept up with him. him and you were in New York at that point. And so but, you- I mean, I knew Mike from you know the midwest so like when i like we started hanging out when i moved to new york a little bit and yeah. so going back to how i met jonas yeah jonas had seen went to uh paris london west nile which eventually became 285 kent but which was uh the it's now tony like conrad's or something studio, yeah tony conrad's studios other people yeah so yeah, so there was a show there, and Mike had, was playing that show. Yeah. And Jonas had showed up. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I knew that Jonas and him had been talking for a while online, so it was like... And then, so we finally met him, and then we that's how we, like, hung out and all that. Oh, so Mike, neither you nor Mike had met Jonas? 
Uh, Mike, I don't think Mike met him until that show. Oh, I, wow, so you guys yeah. all met each other at the same time? Yes. Or, or I think Jonas. maybe Jonas played it too? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Grassland. Yeah, I'm not sure. We can just go, just just piece together things here. Dor, our dear friend Dor, how did you meet Dor for the first time? Okay, I met. I do remember <laughs> meeting Dor the first time is when he was making shows in New Brunswick. Yeah. At was it called Castle Puppy? Yeah. yeah. Castle okay, Puppy. Castle Puppy. So this was back when you would just. I think you would almost just call somebody. Someone would give you a phone number to call to make a show. Totally, totally. So like somebody was like, Black hey, call this style. guy, yeah. Door, in New Brunswick. He'll make a show for you. And so he made the show, and we got there. And that was at the time where, were they called Fat Sandwiches? Yeah. Okay, everybody like was... Yes, yeah, so like we went, we got there, we went and got the Fat Sandwich... I don't know about this. Yeah, yeah, that's from like the truck. Because I, I never played. I never never played in Jersey. I remember. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I still have never played in Jersey. <laughs> so you go get the fat sandwich from the truck. That's like the big thing, and then you play the show in the basement. It is so like absurdly loud. Yeah, you know it's like so painful, and that was the first time I met Door. <laughs> It was a cool show, and then like, what was the tour? What were you playing? I think it was Men Who Can't Love. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it sounded that so. that was a really formative was, yeah. tour. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Um, and then at some point years later, he convinced me to get into Frack Rack. So yeah. So what door always did the uh, the Pia the pi- yeah the pioneer <laughs> as they call him <laughs> the pioneer. <laughs> it's like so unstable. Like I remember you I, buy you make it yourself. Did you did you buy them no, or did I you think, make them yourself? I think I bought it off of like I bought I probably even bought it. You it was so cheap. It was so it was cheap. unbelievable. I mean probably to this day it's, it's so cheap. cheap. And I remember taking it to like Europe once. I I played like just a single show in London. I took like the frack rack there. And it is so unstable. It was so unstable. Well, on good their thing power. you. I mean, at least you. Hopefully, you didn't blow it. Just trying no, no, to plug I didn't it in. blow, but just like the power was like crazy going so in and out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it just sounded insane. Oh, God, it's really funny. Well, I mean, yeah, everybody went through the the Euro rack, right? Euro rack <laughs> phase after, but but the still the people are still going through the, the, pi- the pioneers, you know, as we call pioneers. Them. It's so the pioneers. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, at that point, so I guess then to sort of inch closer to current day, you don't remember where you moved after Iowa. I was just probably bouncing around a lot. Yeah. And then I would come and visit Darren in New York. Yeah. And I would stay. He was living with Mike. And I and you had that very narrow bedroom with the loft. 95 Morgan. No, this was on... Um, oh, wait, there was the loft? 
Yeah, you had the loft, and I remember. Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's 95 Morgan. That's 95 but, uh, maybe there, yeah. maybe there's, yeah, one, the there's the one before. Now. No, yeah. there was that one, and I remember yeah. I had, like, the tiniest, narrowest... I just slept on literally just the sleep, sleeping bag, and that was the amount of space that there was. Oh, yeah, because it had, like, tables in the way and all that shit. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then we would get back to working on music, which was nice. And we started up Mandelbrot and Sky. So Mandelbrot and Sky was after you guys had moved away, or at least yes. after Darren. Yeah, had yeah, moved totally, away. I totally. see, I see, I see. That's. I mean, I guess you didn't. You were touring a lot after uh, I moved out. That's too, what I remember. Right, 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 right. You, right, would, right. you yeah. were like touring constantly, like 2009, 2008 yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. That was it. And then I would come and stay with you for like a month at a time. Yeah, I remember one time like. You had one ramen pack left at 95 Morgan. And you were like, don't eat this ramen. And, then, and I just remember I was like so hungry. And I was like, oh my God, like I have to eat this ramen. Because there's no, there's no way you would be able to get any other food. What was my reaction? Like, no I was just like, what was my reaction? I, I was just that? like, I can't leave the house. Like I just have to eat this. And then. I don't know. I feel like you were pissed, but like I, I, I want to re remember that I replaced it. Yeah. I mean, I think we had food stamps at that time still, so it was like it would have been fine. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm like, I need to get back on though. <laughs> I mean, a lot happened for you between when Darren moved to New York in 2008 and then... I guess when Darren opened Control in 2012, which is then when we became friends yeah. in 2000, I guess 2013. At yeah, that yeah, point. yeah, of course, of course. I feel like there's something. Is there anything like that we should talk about for, between 2008 and 2012? <laughs> I'm like the most like like active point of your like music career. You're like I don't know, like nothing really happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i I'm like i mean i don't like, know do you want it to, do you want to like just talk about well, it i'm just trying whatever? to think like, like is there like a like a thread or like a theme yeah, yeah, that yeah, ties yeah. us no, both together sure. right no instead I mean, of like just individual i just like, feel like that's a lot everyone was just kind of grinding on their music at that point well that's that's what i mean it's you like know? especially for like right your guys's kind of scene yeah, larger scene like 2008 to 2012 was when people were still young enough right that they were actually like really focusing on their music yeah, i mean yeah, it was yeah. when you were the most active yeah doing label playing shows like kind of like you know like touring like getting your music out there or whatever right. it was when darren was still making music you know right, like, right, yeah right. it's like yeah, I mean, I don't, and in a, and in a way, actually, it's like, it's so what's funny. to even like, say about that? We like gloss over all that. We're like, yeah, we're like, so yeah, we're like, there was a fire in the apartment. We're not like, yeah, we're not waxing nostalgia on the, that era just yet. No, except, well, it's I mean, just, that, there's so much happens during that <laughs> yeah. time. That's what I mean, is it's, it's almost like, not even like, it's almost like a different thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know, then the rest is, the rest is history. We're like, the rest <laughs> is history. <laughs> Now we live in New York. Well, now, yeah, and you uh, <laughs> you moved to New York. You've been in New York for over a year now. Yeah, and that's uh, right. I hang out with you guys. All you the hang time. out, yeah. No signs, <laughs> no signs of. We still no don't. Signs I of still don't have any the gear. same shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no There's gear. Even less gear now. I, I got no money. Interface. I got no gear. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no audio interface. Damn, you don't even. Have, she took the interface too. <laughs> she took the interface. Oh. She took the speakers. She, she took, took everything. Wow. Well, yeah. How do you said, tie a bow on this? How do people usually like end it? 
We just decided so Okay, it just started. <laughs> <Word. laughs> <They're not, they're laughs> like... <laughs> Thanks a lot for talking to me, you guys. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, 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 that was fun. Nice talking. Nice talking. Okay. We're done. Cool. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Thanks to Jeff and Darren for joining me to speak about their lives in music and beyond. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to 400 Floor wherever you get your podcasts. To hear the raw and uncut version of this episode, plus much more bonus material, you can purchase it at 400floor.com. That's the number 400 and the word floor.com. 400 Floor is a podcast produced by Nina Protocol, where two musicians pair up to talk about their roots individually and together and reflect on the communities that shaped them. We'll be back in a few weeks with another deep dive. Thanks for listening.